social media, SEO, blogging. Learn more at jtid.co.uk. Hi, thanks for tuning in to episode 52 of the SEO and social media tips podcast. Uh, my name's John Tromans. I do digital marketing training throughout the UK. And if you enjoy this podcast, uh, make sure you download it from iTunes or Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud. It's all over the place. And you can find all the links on my website, which is jtid.co.uk. Uh, this week, we have an interview for you. Uh, good one. Talking about SEO and uh, uh, tips for e-commerce stores as well. Uh, talking to Corey Northcutt of Northcutt.com. He's the CEO over there. The company offers inbound marketing and SEO services. And Corey's written for the likes of Mars and Search Engine Journal and HubSpot. And he's put together an amazing list of Google ranking factors, marking them as things like myths and probabilities and definitelys. And there's a link to this article in the show notes to this podcast. Um, the first thing that I asked Corey was tell me a little bit about himself and his companies. This agency that I run now is my third company. Uh, previous to this, uh, I had founded two other companies. One was a cloud provider. Uh, one was a voice communications provider. So I did all the marketing and SEO for those businesses. And um, I think that moving into what I do now, that, that really informed quite a bit, uh, knowing what it takes to kind of go from zero into something that's, hey, it's successful, and every penny that I spend really, really matters because I could put it into my products or anything else that I'm doing. Um, so it was, it was kind of a big deal. So since I started doing the agency in 2010, uh, I used my background as a systems designer to kind of tackle the whole problem fresh. I started to look at all my systems uh, that it had made my past businesses successful. And that really began with this resource that I actually just published this year, even though it was a little while in the making, um, called our Google Ranking Factors Fact Check, um, which was 260 um, ranking factors. But there's a lot of these resources. When I first started learning SEO uh, in around 2003, I think, um, there was a few. There was uh, this is Bond's one pager. Uh, is the I don't you're, you're not in your head like you've seen. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, I, I go back to it's kind of like 1995 myself. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and it, it you look at it and it's kind of it's by today's web design standards it, it hasn't been maintained. Uh, it's kind of a train wreck, um, but it, it was really useful for me honestly. So I looked at that and I was like this is really good. And a few other people have kind of tried to tackle this problem themselves. Uh, since then, but where it kind of falls short is that all issues kind of fall somewhere on a sliding scale of bullshit, right? Uh, I can say that, right? You can say that, yes. <laughs> it's it's Europe. All right, we're we're good then. Uh, just don't take your top off. <laughs> got nothing to worry about there. Uh, so yeah, everything was just kind of opaque a little bit because you know Google will come out and say something, but then we'll test it and it won't be quite what it sounds like. You know, it's like, well, maybe they just mean that they're looking for it, but they haven't really penalized it. Or there's always just some sort of opaqueness. So what my goal was to say, this is completely concrete. This is a total myth that somebody on a blog made up and it just went wild. Um, and then all the things in between. So we published that. And then after that, we started building an auditing system step by step to run through everything and make sure that we're addressing everything on the list. Um, 
and that's been big. We've from that, I guess we got both our auditing system and our link building system, and uh, that's been great. Uh, small agency, not really trying to, to get huge and any of that. Done that before, uh, but yeah, it's. That's cool. what we're doing. Cool. Let me ask you the big question. This is something which I ask a lot of people. And what what is SEO? What is it to you? What does that that magical phrase mean? Because it's been around <laughs> since like oh I don't know what late nineties, early two thousands, something. Sure. Like. What, what 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 to you? What is SEO? That's a great question uh, because it, it does mean so many different things to so many people. And I have conversations every day where somebody thinks we're talking about the same thing. We're not. Uh, I, you see those posts that say SEO is dead. Uh, and it's, it's not possible really and with my definition because they're speaking of what's manipulative, what was a scheme that worked for a while, uh, but never really should have worked. Sure. Uh, so to answer your question, my definition really is aligning what Google wants with kind of the user experience and really what hopefully the site owner should want too from their site, which is to inform people and to be genuinely useful and to provide something of value. Um, and those two things, um, I, I think in the way that we categorized our ranking factors, um, the subheads kind of sum it up pretty well. You've got user experience comes up. It's, it's big. Um, and Google's always kind of trying to provide something better there. It's amazing to me that people just gloss over that. Like, yeah, we don't care about that. I don't want auditing. I just want links. It's like, all right, but it's you're shooting yourself in the foot for many reasons. Yeah, um, yeah, it's sure. just in line with good marketing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, do, do links still matter? Yes. Uh, actually, while everyone else has been uh, saying we are we're phasing out our link building and our outreach, uh, we've been doubling down on it. Uh, and that's something uh, that's actually really big for us this year is we're kind of we're iterating that system. We're going to have kind of a web-facing interface in our systems. Um, I think links still matter a lot, but not in the way that, again, I think some people define it wrong. Um, I, I can give you a, a concrete example. Uh, in Chicago, we've got a, a website that just lists out agencies in Chicago. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, so we just got a link there. It was free. Very niche. Not a part of any scheme or anything like that. And I check my analytics every month. We've got real traffic from there. I've got people asking us for jobs. I've got people occasional client lead. Um, that's marketing. And it's permanent and it's free and it's owned attention where I don't pay anything to maintain it. I don't see how that ever goes away. Um, sure. Sure. I mean, the the the, the, the link, the, the internet is built of links. I mean, that is it. That is that is the internet. That is the web. It's, it's just a bunch of links. And I think um, because a lot of people's lives and a lot of their work is involves the internet now naturally people will link to other things in a more natural way so i don't believe that now i don't believe people ought to go out there and look for links or generate links i think they ought to just be on the web be in real life as well do what they do promote themselves and the links will hopefully come naturally yeah uh, I think that you can't uh, you can't leave that out certainly I would go so far as to say that there is still some value in placements um, and I think that even this is probably a pretty good example I mean I'm on a podcast here I don't know if I get a link from this but hey you know what like it's a yeah. new audience and it was sought out uh, and that's that's value 
Yeah, absolutely. Right. Let's let's get on to this little scenario which I've told you about. Um, it, it's, it's a scenario that I see an awful lot here in the UK. I, I do um, digital marketing training and I talk to a lot of, lot of companies, small businesses, and they're kind of like, say, less than 20 people, maybe five people working there, 10 people working there, and a lot of e-commerce stores. And there's usually one person who kind of like has been given the job to look after the uh, the website they're marketing grad or or they've just worked with the company for a long time and here you are here's the website you go for it and there isn't a budget there to bring in a, a huge agency a huge company um, but they're quite proactive and they want to get going with things what would be three strategies three tips three ideas that a small business could do to improve their visibility in search Sure. So, so tell me a little bit more about this business. Uh, we've got we've got twenty people. We got one person who's responsible. Um, what what type of niche uh, would they be in? I guess would okay. be the first question I might ask. Let's let's pick one. Let's say designer sure. menswear. Designer menswear. So e-commerce. Yeah, e-commerce designer menswear. They're selling nice jumpers, nice trousers, nice shirts. Sure. So yeah, e-commerce makes it. Uh, interesting and, and different a little bit because we spend a lot of time now with marketing automation and how do we get people into that game of email drips and all that but e-commerce is different specifically from an SEO perspective here um, I think the biggest thing I see is the content on a product page it tends to be a train wreck right like it's it, it's a little snippet it's gonna be a couple words that they thought the minimum to be able to hit publish great um, but that's that's problematic. I mean, we see so much evidence of uh, since Panda. I don't know if we necessarily attribute all the issues to Panda in that update, but it's very thin. And from this, we have all sorts of other factors. If I looked back at the way that we fact check things, we have the topic of a novelty score. So even if they build a lot of content and we've got maybe 500,000 words on a product page, which is probably overkill, um, we start to look at, well, how do they get there? Because I believe that like Matt Cutts came out at one point and said, you know what, you can machine generate your meta descriptions and things in an e-commerce store, it'll pass. But I've also seen studies that have shown that it's still worth your while to build something that is really unique per page. And the case studies are out there, the results do show that if instead of just having you know, black pants in our store is like the title tag, um, giving a genuine description is not only valuable, I mean, it's valuable to Google, but again, it goes back to great marketing too. You look at the search ad you get out of a meta description or when they pull a snippet from a page, like so many pay-per-click agencies are just going to sit and A-B test your ads all day long, but it's just mind-boggling to me who won't even fill in like their, their first opportunity to have that search ad. Um, so it's big. So I think to sum up, I guess my first tip there, it would be, Write great content on every product page and make sure it's it's thorough. It's got keywords, um, not keywords first, but they're there, you know. And especially the long tail, talking about all the different variations of searches that could come in. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of the title tag. I think that the meta title tag is one of the most powerful things you can you can have on a page, mainly because it's seen oh, it it's seen away from your website. Yeah. So, so somebody shares something on Twitter, on Facebook, and LinkedIn, whatever it is, it's the title mm -hmm. tag that goes along. So powerful, yeah. Yeah, and it's somebody who actually looks at it, reads at it, clicks on it, makes that decision in their head, I've got to click on this, this link. 
And that's really important. And I see a lot of people just copy and paste or not not make the title track uh, attractive enough. Sure. Uh, Okay, tip number two. (laughs) Number two, I I think I would say uh, indexing issues. On a site like an e-commerce site, you're going to have a lot of pages, typically. I mean, maybe a menswear provider, a little bit less uh, if you've got a small product line. But even outside of that, there's so many weird issues that come up on an e-commerce site where we might have the category page allows you to have different filters. Um, those generate really weird URLs, really weird copies of pages that have the same content again and again. So that deserves a lot of attention to make sure that it's happening right. You want to do that site colon search in Google and make sure that the number of pages that are indexed mirror what you want, at least to some degree, and that they don't duplicate. Um, because even if it's not a penalty, as it were, it takes away from how unique and valuable that content is. And I mean, we see there's so much evidence of Google scoring just the value of content. Um, so that deserves a lot. And furthering, I guess, into indexing issues, looking at the sitemap, even a product feed for an e-commerce shop, you can do so much with it. Um, I think it's well worth considering all of that. Sure. So, so if somebody's got all these category pages and filters is one of my bugbears of life, but e-commerce, e-commerce filters, why anybody would want to want to filter socks by Z or two? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea, but you still see these filters being used. I just say, get rid of them. Uh, only use the filters on the web page that are actually useful to people. Yeah. And actually make, make sense to people. But how if we've got this scenario where we've got loads and loads of different um, filters and we could have, say, a dozen different versions of the same page, basically, um, how would we solve this, this problem? Yeah, uh, the filtering, there's a few different solutions. And I, my approach generally is um, I'm actually a big fan of uh, A.J. Cohn. If you've uh, followed him, the blind five-year-old uh, is the name of his blog. And it, he explained it to me, and it just—I had been reading it for years, and it made so much sense to me. Is that he treats Google like a blind five-year-old? Uh, has it? You just kind of have to. It's hyperactive. It's running all over the place. You need to push it back in the right direction. Um, and that's been my experience. It's more often that it's the negative things, like Google making mistakes, that seem to hurt people. So I try to do everything in Webmaster Tools. You have the ability to, or Google Search Console, I guess it's called yeah. now to um, enter in those, uh, if you've got those funky web addresses for all the different filtered views, you can add it in there. You can also add the no index attribute. I would usually say no index follow, so that it continues to follow and uh, rank up page rank, but um, it keeps those, those junk pages, as it were, out of the index as well. Um, and if possible, if there are pages that just are of no value at all to anybody under any scenario, just get rid of them. Make, take them out of the experience entirely. Cool. Okay. Um, tip number three. Go. <laughs> sure. Um, Get us to number one in Google. Yeah. Yeah. So with an e-commerce shop, one of the biggest challenges I've found is getting deep linkage. Uh, finding a way to actually motivate somebody to link to a product page because it's not very enticing. I mean, we blog a lot now. It's, it seemed almost controversial five or ten years ago. But it seems like every brand is a publisher because it's one thing that we can do is we can always get people to share that. It's like an extension of social media onto our site, but a product page is not really as sexy to be sent into your Twitter. Um, so there's certain things you can do. For, I guess, a men's apparel brand, I would look at, well, 
I would almost say Pinterest, but we've got maybe the men audience, maybe not so big on Pinterest. Yeah, it's about 80% female, I think, Pinterest at the moment. Yep. Yeah. So in this case, yeah, maybe a little more Instagram just to get those individual pages out there where people are looking deeper into the site. And even that, I mean, that's one link from one domain. Directly, it's not going to do that much. But I look for ways to motivate that. Um, there are other tactics that work pretty well. Having product videos, especially if you can make them anything other than the just immediate, hey, look at this. Um, I mean, if, if you had a funny product video on each page, now we've got motivation to be saying, actually sharing that direct URL, um, whereas other people won't. And it's just, you know, it, it can be insignificant um, in just going the extra mile in some weird, quirky way that motivates someone to say, hey, look at this. Um, so I, I would probably even pair that with some sort of outreach if there's a way to tie that into a roundup or you know, a fashion magazine showing off those deep links uh, in that way too, in a, a proactive way. But yeah. Sure. Do, do you think blogging is, is pretty, still pretty important? Um, blogging? For, for Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't know how you succeed, honestly, at, at SEO in most industries in, in 2016 without some sort of content channel. Uh, you may not exactly call it a blog. I see more and more that people are like, it's like site slash magazine or something that's just trying to be a little quirky. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because the first I did a talk a, um, not long ago to a fashion fashion group of fashion um, uh, stores and uh, e-commerce stores, and the first slide uh, behind me was was don't call it a blog mm -hmm. because okay. you, you just don't call it a blog. <laughs> It's, I don't know. I don't agree with that. But no. I magazine, magazine, lookbook, inspiration. I don't know whether you, Marks and Spencers were a really huge fashion fashion brand over here in the UK, and sure. um, and their blog is called Inspiration. Ah. And I like that. I like. That. <laughs> I like that. It is. I mean, it's. I think that there's pros and cons to doing something like that because we we have clients that'll work with us and say, hey, yeah, check the blog. I was like, you, you don't have a blog. I've been through your header and footer five times. Like, I'm not finding you writing about anything here. But it'll be like under slash company slash inspiration, as, as you say. I'm not, I'm not going to know what that is. But it is different. It is, if we're following traditional publishing guidelines of trying to be unique and stand out, sure. Uh, I think it works well with the fashion industry particularly because that's exactly what you're trying to do. That's what the, the, the goal of the blog is to do, is to inspire people to dress like this, use this outfit. It's a nice summer's day. We're going to a party. This is what you can wear. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. yeah, yeah. And how does the social side of things fit into all this SEO nowadays? I presume that if I get thousands of likes and follows and things, I'm going to get to number one in Google. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah. I think it fits, but not in the way that people assume. I, there's this drive I've seen over like the past five years that it seems like SEOs want social to matter. And it probably will more than it does now at some point. And that's exactly what we've all been saying, I think. But, I mean, the evidence is pretty flimsy right now, honestly. Google's gone back and forth saying, yeah, we look at Twitter. No, we're not looking at Twitter at all. It's just another link. Um, so I, I see the value. I mean... Moz comes out with those ranking factor surveys every year. I think that like 30% of people are, I would have to double check this. It's something that people should go check for their own, for, for themselves, for sure. There's a very high number said that social media directly matters to a very high degree. 
And I think that if you test, that that's not really the case yet, uh, but it has a strong place. Uh, and that is, is a part of the strategy in terms of earning links, in terms of building up kind of your audience of advocates who, as you're blogging, are going to be the ones who ultimately, you know, one retweet might be your podcast or your article or whatever in front of 500 more people. That's huge. That's a big deal. And if links matter, that is a fantastic way to get links that I can't see why anyone would ever want to pass up. Um, and it, it's slow starting, but I think it's another element that you just need. Sure. And I think the social side of things looks at a lot of behavior as well. The behavior between other websites, other social media networks and your website. And I'm absolutely convinced that, that Google, Microsoft are, are watching behavior you know, oh, yeah. like, like a hawk. They're watching it. They really are watching it. They, they haven't got all this Google Analytics data for no reason whatsoever, have they? Yeah. And that data is so powerful for them and so useful. And I, Honestly, I think it's why Facebook is valued so much higher than Twitter right now. Uh, with just the amazing advertising database that that creates. And you know, I think 27, 2018, what, what we're going to see is just more and more of what marketing automation's already been kind of forging towards is that you are not just a CPM. You're not a thousand people. You are one person who might be marketed to in one very specific way, unique from everybody. And as the technology gets better, the more intricate that gets. Cool. Okay. Um, I just want to touch quickly on mobile. Um, mobile is important. There's a lot of brands here in the UK reporting that over Christmas, just around sort of, it's usually, they're usually reporting around the 45 to 55% of their sales over mm -hmm. Christmas were, were, were mobile. Were Huge. Mobile. In, enormous. And also the click and collect um, sure. attitude. Sure. Yeah. Um, how do you see mobile playing out SEO? Is it important? For your search engine optimization for getting higher in the the rankings, or is it just a, a user a user thing? Oh, of course, yeah. Um, it, you know, it's funny to me because I don't shop that way. Uh, <laughs> I think I've got the Amazon app on my phone, which I used a couple of times. I really like their price check app, uh, where you can get the little barcode. But I don't do that. But you're right. The, like the statistics show, like that's what's going on. My wife does it, uh, and it's, someone must be doing this. Google has made it really clear that mobile friendliness is a huge ranking factor. They had an update um, maybe a year or two ago where they said, hey, you know what, this update is really going to make your mobile experience matter, but it should only matter on mobile search, which to me was actually a little bit of a sea change because I assumed that, hey, if I played the on Google card, sure, I want a good experience across the board. Maybe they're going to change devices and we still want it to be good because that's kind of how people do things now. Um, you know, we've got 50 devices in every home. It's ridiculous. Like my, my refrigerator has a Twitter. I don't know why, it, it, but it does. Uh, so right now it seems like it helps specifically just for the rankings in mobile search for Google. Um, but that could change and I, I wouldn't sell it short. So I think for anybody, I would, I think it's a no brainer to make mobile friendly everything. Okay, thanks for listening. I hope you found the tips and the advice have been useful. Uh, you can find Corey on Twitter at at Corey Northcutt. Uh, it's C-O-R-E-Y underscore N-O-R-T.
T-H-C-U-T-T. And there's a link to that in the show notes and also his website as well, which is northcut.com. Uh, there's also links to the Google Ranking Factors article and the Blind Five-Year-Old blog, which was mentioned uh, during the interview. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, then why not subscribe to more? There's a podcast pretty much every single week on a Friday afternoon. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio and SoundCloud, lots of different places. You can find all the links on my website, which is jtid.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Social media, SEO, blogging. Learn more at jtid.co.uk. Okay.